Welcome to Educate This. My name is Nate Hammond and this is the podcast for educators, teachers, coaches, mentors, trainers, guides and well, students, which should be all of us. We learn to teach and we teach to learn. Educate This is thankful to be sponsored by training provider and TAE experts, Qualify Now. Check them out at qualifynow.com.au for all of your TAE questions and needs. All right, let's level up. Part one of my motivation series. Now, for my first episode on the series, I thought I'd start with the theory, which I can say I have had deep experience with for better or worse. It is called the self-determination theory. 28th US President Woodrow Wilson said, self-determination is not a mere phrase. It is an imperative principle of action. I'm not sure how my American accent went down there, but the self-determination theory says that humans feel motivated to change and progress when three innate needs are being met. And those needs are one, competence, two, connection, or you'll sometimes hear relatedness, and three, autonomy. So competence, connection, and autonomy. We'll start with competence. I'll assume that if you are listening to this, you likely have a driver's license and you feel confident driving. But think back to when you first got behind a wheel to learn. Unless you were some freak Schumacher-esque prodigy, you likely felt unsure of yourself, perhaps a bit frightened. I remember my first drive. I ran into a ditch. I learned in a manual and remember clearly the bunny hopping, the stalling, the gear grinding, the over revving, the under revving, the 10 moves it took to do a three point turn, the 1000 moves it took to do a parallel park and still end up with a tire on the curb. Indicating 20 minutes before my turn, little by little, I became more competent. And with that competence growth came confidence growth. I've been watching season four of Cobra Kai. I'm loving the show on Netflix. I remember my granddad taking me to an outing um, on an outing to see Karate Kid when we were living in the U.S. in a place called Logan, Utah. Um, 35 years later, speaking of Utah, shout out to Utah electrician Chad, um, who listens to this podcast. Appreciate it. 35 years later, and Daniel LaRusso is about to start training his own son in the art of Miyagi-Do Karate. Before he begins the physical labor, he imparts these words of wisdom to his kid, who is a bit of a gamer. Learning karate isn't easy. It takes a lot of work. But listen, think of it like a video game. It might not be as exciting at level one when you're learning all the controls, but the more you play, the more skills you get. And before you know it, level 12, you're hooked. When we first start learning, we are very conscious of our incompetence. That can be demotivating. That is an essential time for a trainer and coach to be at their most encouraging. With time and effort, we become consciously competent. We are doing things right for the most part, but we are thinking and talking our way through it. Eventually, we become unconsciously competent. Things become automatic. We can now claim mastery of a task and we can feel confident using and developing our acquired skills. The second innate need is connection. Where do we feel the most confident driving? Familiar streets or unfamiliar territory? I know every time I have driven in a foreign country, foreign to Australia that is, back before COVID uppercut the nose of international travel, it would take me a little while to feel as confident driving on uh, the streets there as I did back home. Whether that's on the crazily hectic and congested streets of Manila in the Philippines or the quiet suburban streets in Lethbridge, Canada where as an added challenge, I had to remember to drive on the right rather than the left side. 
Think about when you've started a new school, a new job, you've joined a new team, how you've felt at the start. Have you ever walked into an unfamiliar environment, especially if you're amongst people you don't know, and felt awkward, unsure, apprehensive? You could be a Mensa-level rocket scientist taking a samba class for the first time. Your high-level intelligence will not translate to confidence in that situation. Relatedness comes with making connections and threading your life into your new environment, which will help you to feel more comfortable with your surroundings and those who surround you, and consequently, you will become more confident. The third need, autonomy. A man was leading as center manager a high-performing, award-winning, not-for-profit club. This club has a head office with many locations across the country. Year after year, this particular club, and forgive me, but I'm not going to give specifics because it gets a little personal, won awards and consistently outperformed other clubs financially and in meeting other KPIs. Now, the reason for this, as I see it, was that the head office at the time took care of the club with light administration, a little oversight to ensure some uniformity and quality was maintained, uh, support in other ways, but also allowed the club to run autonomously when it came to things like payroll, fundraising, um, staff hire, promotions, equipment purchase, etc. They knew that this manager and the staff were entrenched in the local community and knew how best to serve that community. Well, then a new GM came on board, someone who believed that the best way forward was to strip the local clubs of their in-house admin and to centralize everything but basic day-to-day operations. They then went about homogenizing the clubs without a consideration for the different demographics that each location served. To really show who was boss, to drive home the point, the center managers in each of these mostly suburban or rural locations now had to report their hourly tasks. Local deals for local members were eliminated. All fundraising was run through the swanky head offices located many kilometers away from the low socioeconomic streets that this local club served. The worst of it, this extremely energetic, community-loving, charitable-to-a-fault manager was now disallowed to make any decisions for his local venue, big or small, without having to go up the chain of command and just about prostrate himself before their fat feet. How motivated do you think the staff at this club now felt having had their autonomy stripped from them? How do you feel when you are being micromanaged? Taking away the local manager and his club's autonomy just about ruined this great man. Mentally, it took him to the darkest place that he had ever been. What the heads did was the opposite of what good leaders should do. If you want to create leaders, you can't deny people the opportunity to lead. Going back to the learning to drive example, how annoying are backseat drivers? I'm in a position now where I'm having to learn to back off as our daughter learns to drive. She is transitioning from her learner's plates to provisional plates and it's very hard to bite my tongue when I'm in the passenger seat. Now, advice is okay, of course. Warning of imminent danger or a reminder of the rules if they're broken is part of the teaching. But as time goes on and she gains an ability... To constantly tell her and remind her what to do would deny her the ability to think for herself and she would never gain confidence. As coaches, trainers, teachers, etc., we are the leaders. But there's a common misconception that leaders must always stay up the front and that the students or followers' footsteps must align with our footprints. 
I used to be a scout. As a scout, we used to go camping in places where we would need to hike for a couple of hours to get to a site. I remember that at least three scout leaders, adult leaders, would be assigned to take up certain positions in the pack. One would take the front and set a pace, a second would position himself in the middle to keep people on the path, and the third would lead from the back. He was one assigned to look after those who were struggling and falling behind. No scouts were carried, all had to walk up the mountain or through the bush trail with their own two feet. The leaders didn't disappear, but what they did, as certain scouts gained confidence, was bring those young men into the positions where they could lead from the front, middle, or back. It was after only a few of those experiences that as a 15-year-old and and maybe four or five of my friends, um, who are all around 15 years old, uh, would start camping ourselves and start hiking into the bush ourselves and setting up camp. We felt confident enough to do that because we had been given some autonomy in our scouting experiences. As human beings, we need to feel that we have control of our lives. We need to feel that we are driving our goals. We need to feel ownership of our behavior. A person who has a high level of self-determination will not blame, will not look for scapegoats whenever there is a failing that they caused or even just participated in. A person with a high level of self-determination will put up their hand and say, my bad. Let's see what we can do to fix this or how we can do better next time. Someone with low self-determination will avoid taking responsibility and will shift the focus so far from themselves that they will not be in a position to fix the mistake or improve on the issue. I'll leave you with a short quote by Dutch philosopher Baruch Spinoza. Freedom is self-determination. Thank you for listening today. My name is Nat Hammond. This is Educate This. We are proudly sponsored by RTO Qualify Now. Check out Qualify Now if you're looking to get your TAE, you want to become a trainer, and you're looking for the qualifications that will assist you to become that trainer, speak to them, they are the best in the business.